Regardless of how the scenario unfolded, the reality is this. In the winter of 5 or 4 B.C., God invaded history and took on the form of a man. Now I'm going to take you into some interesting thoughts. God is God, and God can do anything He wants to. So I want you to look at this next thing, and I put it on the screen because I can guarantee 99% of you, maybe even 99.9% didn't realize, what was Jesus' name on this earth? He was called the bread of life. Is that not what Jesus called himself? Let's look at this next slide. Born in a small town just south of Jerusalem, which means Bethlehem, the house of bread. That's what the word Bethlehem means. Did you know that? Bethlehem means the house of bread. So why would it be a strange thing that in Bethlehem, the house of bread would bring forth the bread of life? How many think that's a pretty cool thing to think about? You see, it wasn't a happenstance thing. It wasn't a happen. Well, I got to get him born someplace, you know. So hey, let's do it. Now I think I think also the manger. If I look at it this way, how many know the old baking ovens of years gone by were a bunch of mud and mortar and and rocks and bricks and holes and caves and things like that. The manger was in a cave, a little oven bringing forth the bread of life. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's VLCCAZ.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. I get a lot of my inspiration from Charlie Brown. Uh, the only time that Linus willingly drops his blanket, and it was when he was telling the Christmas story, you don't want to miss tomorrow night, Christmas Eve, because it's going to be a wonderful presentation of the Christmas story. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be a wonderful time. 6.30 tomorrow night. But I, as Linus was reading the Christmas story, the moment that he said, the angels appeared and said these two words, fear not, immediately he drops his blanket because he realizes, I don't have to fear. I don't need the security of this blanket. I have security in someone else. Can somebody say Amen. And then we see there at the end of this video clip that he takes the same blanket and he wraps it around the tree, willingly giving it up. He said all this tree needs was a little love. All this tree needed was a little security. Now I want you to think about this little tree today because this tree is you. This tree represents your life. And our life isn't as pretty as we think it should be sometimes. 
It's not as decorated as we think it should be at times. It don't have all the stuff in the right place. Maybe more stuff in some places that we don't want to talk about. <laughs> but this tree is more like you and I. And folks, we need to give our lives to the wrapping of the security of Jesus if we're ever going to stand tall like this little tree now does. Did you see the picture at the end? It was just a majestic, magnificent tree. But can I tell you what I saw before the end of that little clip happened? I saw Charlie Brown carrying this tree across from his, the, the parking lot and across the field. Before it was decorated, before, he stops and he starts looking up. Can I tell you what Charlie was thinking? He's thinking, there's got to be something more. There's got to be something more. What is life really all about? And then I believe in the depths of his heart, he began to say, God, how did this whole Christmas thing begin? So could I, for a few moments this morning, take you into a, an educational facet? We're working on the air conditioners, folks. I don't know why they're not getting turned on, but... Uh, Pastor Ray, if you could maybe do some physical adjustments or something. Here it is. It's freezing cold outside and it's hot in here. See what happens when you get a couple hundred bodies stuck in one room. Don't look at somebody and say, that's not me, because you're one of the ones issuing the heat. So let's, let's, let's go into our notes really quick. Where, and, where did the date and, and, and the name for Christmas really originate, okay? The name Christmas, it, it said that the celebration of Christmas took form in the early second century. In the Catholic Church. Yes, the Catholic Church started a long time ago, church. The word Catholic means universal. It started out with a right perspective is there's only supposed to be one church, many locations, but one church. There's not supposed to be the churches of flag. There's supposed to be the church of flag. The problem is, is we have all these things called doctrines, and everybody thinks their doctrine is right. The word doctrine is just a fancy word for teaching, okay? That's all the word doctrine means. And so everybody thinks there's right, and there's thousands of doctrines that churches build their religions on but ladies and gentlemen can i tell you something there's one doctrine that's correct and that's this book not the piece that i want to pull out and base everything around it's genesis 1 1 to revelation 22 let me let me look hold on hold on i'm a pastor not a concordance folks 22 21 all the way Every word. Matter of fact, Jesus so adamantly about this in chapter 22, he said, if you add to this book or you take away from it, I will add to you the plagues or I'll take away from you the promises. So adamant was Jesus about it in the book of Matthew and the only sermon he ever preached, he said, there is not one jot or one tittle of my word that will pass away until everything is fulfilled. What is everything that's fulfilled? 
He fulfilled part of it at Calvary when he yelled out the words, Tetelasi, which is the, the, uh, the um, not Greek, not Latin, what is it? What? Not Hebrew. Aramaic. Thank you. The Aramaic, that means it is finished. So he, he finished. What did he finish at Calvary? Does anybody know? He paid the price for our sins. And then he descended, the Bible says, into the depths of the earth to bury those sins. How far? As far as the east is from the west. So far as God removed our transgressions from us. And then he rose that third day. And he basically said, folks, I've gone toe-to-toe with the devil, and I won. Okay, I got four excited people. I've gone toe-to-toe with the devil, and I won. Okay. Therefore, the universal doctrine was established. And Paul articulated it better than anybody in 1 Corinthians when he said, I know Jesus Christ and him crucified. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. I say all that to say this. The Catholic Church had it right at the beginning because the word Catholic means universal. And they also had a second thing right. Though the Western sect of the church and the Eastern sect of the church fought about it for years, and we'll talk about it. It's a celebration of Christmas took form at, the, at a special Catholic Mass, the only of the year that the Catholics allow legally in Catholicism is called a Midnight Mass to recognize Christ's birth. Since this was the only time the Catholic Church allowed a Midnight Mass, the Mass soon became known in the Old Latin, Christus Massus. Now, I'm not very good at English, folks. How do you think I'm going to do it Latin? So I, I can't, I'm, not, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing it right. But do you see how the word Christmas was derived? Now, I want to freak you out a little bit. The word mass means celebration of the dead. I'm not quite sure why. I mean, I can understand celebrating, but not, he's not dead. But that's where, that's where the term Christmas originally came from. Now, let me take you into the original religious liturgy that they used. The word mass literally means death sacrifice. Not quite the way I would do it, but that's what they did, okay? So how did Christmas get its name? Simple, okay? It's pretty logical, isn't it? So for those that want to argue with you and say, no, folks, take them back to, to a little over 200 A.D. and say, this is where it began, folks, and this is what it turned into. How did December 25th gain the Christian emphasis? Well, this is a little more complex, but still rather easy to explain. And I, I want to do this this morning because, folks, there's so, there's so much junk that happens around this time of year where they're trying to explain away things. They're trying to uh, tell you this didn't happen or that didn't happen. That somehow December 25th was randomly chosen. Well, there's a, there's a, there's a documentary came out in, in 2007. It's called The Bethlehem Star. Did anybody see that? Now, I'm not here to advocate The Bethlehem Star. 
I am here to say, though, the guy got it pretty right. Now, you can go and you can get a, a, probably a, a thousand different websites that said, I was messed up. It was wrong. Because one of the things that I, and I've read a lot of them, one of the things they said, a star will not just stay over a place for a period of time. When God's in charge, guess what? Stars do what God says. I mean, there, there, someplace in my Bible, didn't God hold the sun back 10 degrees for Joshua to fight a battle? And then at another time, he moved it forward 10 degrees just to show him he was God? How many know God can do what God wants to do? You don't have to have our permission. Okay. And so, you know, I, like I said, I've read a lot of the, the stuff online that says, you know, the, the, his, his uh, uh, math and his, his uh, stargazing and stuff. And, and then, then they'll get spiritual on you. Well, didn't Paul say in the book of Galatians not to follow stars and not to pay attention to the stars and the days and the seasons? Yes. But when you read it in context, Paul said, don't get your spiritual life wrapped up around those things. Get them wrapped up around me. Some of y'all are going to get this when you leave and say, man, that guy was good explaining that, wasn't he? And your husband's going to look at you and say, what do you say? Work with me there, Dan. <laughs> Just work. <laughs> but think about it for a second. Okay, so many believe, and I put a lot of this in your notes because I want to put to rest some of this stuff. Many believe that December 25th, as other dates, was simply chosen to Christianize a pagan holiday. Now, now listen to me. Though there is some truth, the majority of the things that we celebrate, including Easter, originated from a pagan holiday. But historically, December 25th is a complete reverse. And you can go study this. I, I've done a lot of looking at this thing, and it looks like Christmas was here before any pagan holiday. Now, think about it, because you have to understand that back in the day, and I say the day, back in the early 1st century, 2nd century, 4th century, 3rd century, they didn't celebrate people's birthdays. What they did traditionally, according to Eusebius and, and, uh, and Tertullian and uh, Josephus, all the historians of the time, they say basically they thought, especially of a prophet, that the day of their birth and the day of their death was the same time. And the only thing they recognized was the day of their death. Well, it was the same thing in the case with Jesus. So December 25th, the day of his birth, what we recognize today was not even in question until about the second century A.D. And it didn't actually become an official date until about the fourth century. It was always recognized. It was always looked at. And I'll tell you a very simple reason why. Okay, so first, let's get away with the, pre the pagan thought. Are you all okay with this kind of teaching? Okay, I'm going to teach a little bit more today than preach. I'm actually a, a preacher. I teach and preach, okay? So um, you can walk out of here and just say, treat it, preacher, treat it. Come on, Hensley, a new word for you. Treat it. You know, treat, uh, teach and preach. Practice with me. Treat. Okay, good. 
Good. You folks on the internet, you'll catch this later, okay? Just, just keep watching, okay? The Roman emperor uh, uh, Aurelian, now I, I, I want to stop here because I know a lot of you all have seen the movie um, um, uh, Gladiator, uh, which I thought was a pretty cool movie, and the, the, the uh, ruler's name was Marcus Aurelius. So I don't want you to confuse him. He was about 100 A.D., and Aurelian was about 200 A.D., about 100 years after Marcus Aurelius. But this Roman emperor, emperor named Aurelian sought, listen to this, to legitimize the birth of the unconquered son. Up until that point, up until Aurelian, they didn't really recognize the son as a god. Now, let's get rid of the Egyptians. I'm not talking about the Egyptians. I'm talking about the Romans. Is everybody with me so far? Oh, that was kind of nervous there. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. So, they had just established under Aurelian this holiday, if you will, called the birth of the unconquered son. Why did they do that? Because we just went into what's called the winter solstice, okay? Uh, the winter solstice is basically uh, the day of the sun. The solstice changes, and it's whether the day is longer or shorter, so on and so forth. His objective, most of the people that I've read, is these Christians were growing leaps and bounds. And Aurelian had power over that section of the world, and he either wanted to stop or co-opt this already established. Already established. Can I say it again? Already established Christian holiday. Up until that point, and you can, you can research this, the sun had no prominent role in pagan festivals. As a matter of fact, it was not until almost 70 plus years after they recognized December 25th as the birth of Christ that they established the birth of the unconquered son. Interesting, isn't it? So I want to put to rest a very simple thing. Is Christmas a pagan holiday? No. Has it become pagan? Folks, I know a bunch of Christians that are acting pretty pagan. Don't look at me like that. You know what I'm talking about. And don't look at somebody else thinking, yeah, he's talking about you. No. Am I doing okay so far? So December 25th, tradition is ancient. From the 2nd century A.D. Now here's where the complexity comes in. The Western church, now when I'm talking about the Western and the Eastern church, the Eastern church represents Orthodox Catholicism. The Western church represents Roman Catholicism. I was raised Roman Catholic, okay? There is quite a difference between the two. Uh, one is much more traditional, one is much more uh, legal, okay? And so uh, December 25th uh, is an ancient tradition. It is ancient from, like I said, the second century, uh, almost 100 years or 70 years before uh, the, the uh, birth of the unconquered son. So the Western church argued it was Christ's birthday, December 21st. Interesting, Roman Catholicism at the beginning recognized it as Jesus' birthday. You think it might be because that's the people that hung him up on the cross? Don't know. 
the Eastern Church or the Orthodox Church, they promoted January 6th. How many know how many days from December 25th to January 6th? 12 days. You ever heard? On the first day of Christmas, my... See, this is where we get the 12 days of Christmas. You didn't know you were going to get so smart today, did you? Okay? From that day to the day, the Western Church and the Eastern Church. Okay? The 12 days of Christmas. We also get what is called the revelation of Christ or the epiphany. Some of you folks with religious upbringings and, and different sides of the church. Okay? And one of the lesser known is they called it the day of the three kings or three kings day. There was this argument that went on for a couple hundred years between Eastern Orthodoxy and Roman Catholicism, the Western Church, okay? Because early Christians did not seem to focus on someone's birth. It was not until the third century that Christians began to show interest on the date of Christ and his birth, and not until the fourth century that the celebration actually took on some uniformity. So let me get into the picture here. As Jesus' death and resurrection are the prominent aspect of all Christians. Folks, like I said, the reason we have a Christmas is because we have an Easter. If there wasn't an Easter, there wouldn't be no need for a Christmas. Are you with me so far? Okay, so the death and resurrection of Christ are the prominent issues in regard to the chronology of Christ's life. Now listen, the date of his resurrection is what took precedence then and there and here and now. Scripture places Jesus' death at the time of the Passover. Therefore, it was very easy to mark it to the day. Mark it to the day, which was March 12th, of A.D. 4 or 5, or excuse me, B.C., 4 or 5. And you say, well, Pastor, why, why 4 or 5? Because they didn't get the calendar correct at the very beginning. So in the 4th century, they started looking at this thing and saying, okay, we need to see where Jesus' birthday was. Now, something else that I have, you know, just a little side note, is that the, the, one of the struggles and the complexity is they were going, the difference between the Jewish calendar and the Greek calendar. The calendar of Judaism and the, the calendar of, uh, uh, what's the calendar we go by? Gre the Gregorian calendar, okay? And so in this picture, the difference between the, the Jewish lunar calendar and our calendar is every 12 months, the Jewish calendar adds 30 days on the third year. So it makes it a little complex, doesn't it? So that's why you have the Eastern Church and the Western Church having that little bit of conflict. So was Jesus born really on December 25th? Now, if you go out and do a Google test, well, I'm just going to put the preacher to the test. I encourage you. Folks, I encourage you always to look at God's Word. I encourage you always to put everything that I say based on God's Word. Can somebody say amen? There are scholars that literally propose every single month of the year for the birth of Christ. Well, let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to how this all began. After much debate, the Eastern Church, which is the Catholic Orthodox Church, they followed the Greek calendar. They said April 6th. 
should have been the death of Christ. The Western Church, the Roman Catholic Church, once again, folks, who were the ones that crucified him? The Romans. I think they might have a little better. Well, they marked March 25th as the date of Christ's death. The Western date is now what we all yield to and lean to. Trying to compute Jesus' birth, now, you, it's, it, you're going to look at it, and it is so simplistic when you look at it and say, how did they come up with December 25th? Christians celebrated Christ's birth and death at the same time. That was the ancient tradition. Okay? It was called the whole year theory, and you can do some, some studies back and you'll find all this out. Influ- and it, all of this influenced the practice stating that the prophet's life began and ended on the same day. But in the third century, there was a Christian by the name of Sextus Julius Africanus, a Roman. Heck of a name, wouldn't you like that? He added a note to his theory. Listen to what he said. He argued that Jesus' birth did not begin at birth but at conception. A novel thought, his life didn't begin at birth, it began at conception. Why is this relevant? If Jesus was conceived on March 25th, exactly nine months earlier, or later is December 25th. Oh, that's too simple. Folks, we serve a simple God. We're the ones that make it complex. Are you with me today? Okay. So how am I doing so far explaining all of this? Good, good, good. So the church recognized, once again, I'm talking about the Catholic church. The Catholic Church recognized, this is one of those uh, fancy words, it's called the Annunciation. How many were raised in traditional liturgy and you recognize the word Annunciation? That word Annunciation is a fancy word. Are you ready? It means announcement. Why couldn't they just say announcement? (laughs) They're not from Texas, so they can't say them words. The church recognized March 25th as the Annunciation. What is the Annunciation? The day that Gabriel announced to Mary that she was going to be a child. You think God waited a few days? Or do you think the minute Gabriel showed up, it was done? December 25th is the birthday of Christ if you look at it from 25 or 9 months. Just go to the Annunciation and go nine months later. Or go to Christmas Day and go nine months earlier. Guess what you get? You get the birth and the resurrection of Christ right there, very simplistically put together. Can somebody say amen? Amen. So, when did the birth of of Jesus actually occur? And why do we even discuss this? Why so much dispute regarding uh, 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 this, this issue? Why? Because today in the hour we live, they are trying to negate everything that is happening about Jesus. They have, done, they have tried to do it with the flood. Well, the flood never happened. Okay, how do you get seashells on the top of, of uh, Rushmore and on the top of, of uh, 
uh, where? Grand Canyon. How do you get how, how do you get all these things at the top of mountains? How do you get you know a boat on the top of Mount Ararat or very close to the top when there isn't even an ocean around it? Okay, just some some thoughts. So why do we discuss this? I figured that the best thing to do, at least here at Victorious Life, is to set to rest this whole thing about Christmas. So today, the traditional date has been challenged. Modern scholars point out that when Jesus was born, shepherds were watching their sheep in the hills around Bethlehem. That's what the scripture says. But they say it couldn't have happened because shepherds don't take their sheep out to the hills of Bethlehem in the winter. Have you been to Israel in the winter? It's cold. But let's go to the Word of God and see what the Word of God says. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. Now there were in the same country shepherds, read these next five words with me, living out in the fields. Some of your translation will say abiding watching their sheep and the, different things like that. But you look up the original word, it means that was their home. They lived out there. So how many think if the shepherds were living out in the fields in the summertime, they're probably living out in the fields in the... If that's where they live. So there were shepherds living out in the fields. So put a note on your, on your notes there. Uh, circle that, underline it. And what are they doing? Now, something interesting also, they were keeping watch over their flock at night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord showed round about them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said, do not be afraid, for I bring you good tidings of great joy to all people. For there is born to you in this day the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. They told them where... They told him who, they told them what, and they told them why. This will be a sign. What? You will find a babe who, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Where? And suddenly a heavenly host said, the answer to why. Glory to God in the highest. On earth, peace, goodwill towards men. God says, I'm fixing to fix the faction. Say that three times fast. I'm fixing to fix the faction, the division, the separation. God said, there ain't no way for you to get to me, so I'm going to come to you. See, that's the difference between religion and relationship. Religion is our attempt to reach God. Relationship was his attempt to reach us. Jesus said, I'll, I'll, I'll come, and I'll walk with you. I'll show you how to do this thing. And he did a pretty good job. Can't you say amen? Here, here's the dilemma. And I talked about it just briefly, but look at it. It's on your screen. Some scholars feel sheep were usually brought in out of the, the, the harsh environment between November and March. They were normally not in the field at night. Yet, early Jewish sources suggest that the sheep around Bethlehem were kept out year round. How many think the historians might know what was happening in Bethlehem? 
They were living out there year-round. Hence, the shepherds living in the fields, as we see in Luke 2, verse 8. The shepherds were living in the field. Now, look at that, that phrase, keeping watch. When were they keeping watch? doesn't say they were keeping watch all day. Have you ever seen shepherds? They just let their animals wander around. They look out there. They kind of see what's going on. But how many know at nighttime you got to be a little bit more attentive? You had to pay attention a little bit more at nighttime. Do you think that might be why the angels showed up at nighttime? You think that might be why the stars showed up at nighttime? Something's going on. And they're paying attention. Those shepherds living in the field, they knew those night skies like better probably than just about anybody. And they saw something was going on. And then all of a sudden, God interrupted their nighttime uh, uh, traditions. So it makes sense that they were keeping watch. So December 25th, nighttime makes perfect sense traditionally and biblically, can somebody say amen? Now, before I get anybody walking out here saying, you absolutely, no, folks, I wasn't there. But when I get to heaven, I'll ask. I just believe, God, you get there to hear the answer. Eighteen centuries we have recognized this date. And I don't see a reason to change it now. This this. Uh, once again, it's, there's an uncertainty because they didn't record the birth. They recorded the death. But when you look at it in a perspective, well, nine months, that's how God works the whole thing. Regardless of how the scenario unfolded, the reality is this. In the winter of 5 or 4 B.C., God invaded history and took on the form of a man. Now I'm going to take you into some interesting thoughts. God is God, and God can do anything He wants to. So I want you to look at this next thing, and I put it on the screen because I can guarantee 99% of you, maybe even 99.9%, didn't realize what was Jesus' name on this earth? He was called the bread of life. Is that not what Jesus called himself? Let's look at this next slide. Born in a small town just south of Jerusalem, which means Bethlehem, the house of bread. That's what the word Bethlehem means. Did you know that? Bethlehem means the house of bread. So why would it be a strange thing that in Bethlehem, the house of bread would bring forth the bread of life? How many think that's a pretty cool thing to think about? You see, it wasn't a happenstance thing. It wasn't a happenstance. Well, i got to get them born someplace, you know, so hey, let's do it. Now, I think, I think also the manger, if I look at it this way, how many know the old baking ovens of years gone by were a bunch of mud and mortar and, and rocks and bricks and holes and caves and things like that? The manger was in a cave. A little oven bringing forth the bread of life. Just a novel thought, folks.
I'm not thinking it's gingerbread, man. But think about it. Now listen up to this, folks. How about the brightest star in all of the heavens lighting up the place and says, let's put a little heat on this to bring it in just the right way. Hmm. Hmm. Come on, Hensley, give me some words of encouragement. There was no ado. There was no adulation. There was no grand celebration. Think about it. Think about it. He came to the lowest. The shepherds. Nobody gave them the time of day. They were the nothing. They were only doing what they had to do to do what had to be done to bring forth the lamb. That would be sacrificed every day or every year at Passover. Oh, this is about to get good, folks. Listen to me. No grand celebration, but think he came to the lowest that he could lift us to the highest. The birth of the king was celebrated that night only by his birth mother, her husband, and a handful of shepherds. Think about it, and I put it on the screen because I want you to get it. The shepherds in the field were guarding the lambs which would die at the next Passover. Why? Why did God show up? God said, I want you to be the first to see the birth of the lamb who will fulfill every Passover. Mm. Why did he come to shepherds? It makes sense to me. Folks, I'm a simple guy. They're guarding the lambs that are taking care of the Passover. God said, fine. I want you to be the first ones to see the lamb. That's going to be the final Passover. Hmm, thank you, Jesus. John, Jesus' cousin, I think, folks, I think like this. Think, think about it. You got two babies in two wombs. You got Elizabeth, which is miles and miles away from Bethlehem. Mary jumps the, the, the local transit authority. <laughs> and rides over to see her, her cousin. And as Mary's walking up, them two babies are having a party. The Bible says that the baby leapt inside of Elizabeth knowing, hey, something's up. Nobody saw anything. But all of a sudden, Elizabeth looks at Mary and said, blessed are you of the Lord bringing forth the Messiah into the world. Who told Elizabeth? Who told Mary? You think the two babies were talking? <laughs> but just a few years later, John was in the water baptizing, and he looks up, and he says in John 1, Behold the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. Those shepherds were watching the lambs for God. And John said, the Lamb of God that's going to take away. Take away. Can I hear somebody say take away? Take away the sins of the world. 
He's not just going to cover them like that's been happening for all those centuries. He's taking it away. Let me wrap this up. Have I made any sense this morning? I'll tell you right now, I'm not a, I'm not a, I don't want to put a, an alert out there, but you do not want to miss next Sunday's sermon. Or tomorrow night, Christmas Eve. But you don't want to miss next Sunday's sermon because I'm going to talk personally about you and me. And about what your 2019 can be. God has been unloading on me. What's it called? Downloading? Yeah, he's been downloading. Maybe not unloading is the right word. Is that not the right word? Downloading. Okay, he's been. So just, just quickly, regardless, folks, I'm not here to beat beat into your heads that it has to be that. Folks, I wasn't there, okay? But I can look at it very logically and Christianly at it very well. Could be that day. But regardless of the month, the day, the year, we can be certain of these three things. Number one, that God, that, that God would never create a world like ours and then turn his back on it. Folks, I have people, evolution, one of the most stupidest things in earth. Now, now folks, I don't, I don't want to jump on a soapbox, but if I had one, I would. Have you ever looked at the animals of this planet? Some of the most amazing and gorgeous. But according to evolution, they just kind of popped up out of a water spot and on a rock somewhere and and all of a sudden, all these beautiful things. Have you ever looked at the mountain ranges? I mean, if it all just popped up, how come everything's not the same? Have you ever been to Arizona? And then lived in Flagstaff, Arizona? How many think there's a little difference between what we think Arizona and what we think in Flagstaff? Most people, I talk to them on the phone. We live in Arizona. Oh, it's hot. Not where we live. I say, it's not. And so, why, why, why isn't it all the same? If we just evolved, and go ahead and go for it. We evolved from a monkey. How come every one of us don't look the same? I mean, you got some massively good looking people like Jim Cody over here. And you got some questionably, uh, okay, questionably, I'll let you fill in the blank. I'll get in trouble if I throw it in. God would not create a world like ours and turn his back on it. I, I remember reading a story about, about a, a great old preacher from years and years ago by H.S. Laird, uh, and he was laying in his dying bed, and his son, who also became a great preacher after his dad, He's sitting there at his dad's bedside, and he said, Dad, 
How do you feel about the whole experience? His dad thought about it. He, he, he was dwelling on the ecstasy as he was already sensing the Lord's presence, looking forward to the glories of the world to come. And he turned his face to his young minister's son, and he said, son, I feel like a kid on Christmas Eve. What a better way to put it. He knows I'm going to go to sleep here and wake up there. And the glories, the Bible says, no eye has seen, nor ear heard, neither is it entered the heart of a man, the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen? He spent seven days or six days building this place. The earth is a trash heap compared to heaven. He's been working on it for 6,000 years, and he's building my house. And he said, that's where you're going to live for eternity. I think it's going to be pretty nice. Can somebody say Amen. Talking about Charlie Brown and Linus, they were having one of those in-depth conversations. And Charlie Brown looked at Linus and he said, Linus, man, look at that. Can you imagine if heaven looks that good on this side, what it's going to look like on that side? The second thing that I believe, that he would not create man and then desert him at the grave. That when you die, that's it. No, I I don't think so, folks. I don't think so. And the third thing, quickly, he would not plant a desire in our hearts for immortality. I don't care if you're a sinner or saints. Everybody wants to live forever. God would not have planted that desire for immortality in the human heart and failed to make adequate provisions that you and I could realize it. As the worship team comes, just quickly, there was a pastor or there was a man that had just retired and he was on his vacation and he was driving down the highway and a suitcase fell off the top of his car. Well, as it was, a pastor stopped and picked up the man's suitcase and put all the stuff back together and tried to flag him down, but the man was long gone, never realizing the suitcase even fell off. Well, all of a sudden, the pastor started looking through the suitcase to find out what it was, and the only piece of evidence or, or recognition that he found in it was he found a gold, $20 gold piece, and on it there was an engraving that said, given to Otis Sampson at his retirement, the Portland Cement Company. Well, the pastor, wanting to return Mr. Sampson's uh, possessions, spent weeks and weeks trying to correspond to find out where. Well, he finally found him. And he said, I I found your suitcase and I found your $20 gold piece. And the pastor in the correspondence heard back from Mr. Sampson and he wrote back these words. And he said, discard everything else, only send the gold piece. And in the letter, he wrote these words. It is my most precious possession. Over and over, he made those, thing, those same words in this letter. It's my most precious possession. Well, the pastor did so and wrote a cover letter telling Otis about his most precious possession, Jesus Christ. Well, a year later, a simple letter in a package 
containing a $20 gold piece shows up at the pastor's house and he'll say and he wrote in the letter pastor you'll be happy to know that we have become active members of a church and we want to give you this gold piece I am 74 and my wife is 72 and you are the first one that ever told us about Jesus now he is my most prized possession. Ladies and gentlemen, when he was born or that he was born, what's more important? Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue, across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.